Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. The Federal Communications Commission, FCC as we know, regulates communication of all types of channels across the country, be it the internet, radio, TV, and IT is a necessary component not just for internal operations, but also in how the agency conducts investigations, regulates and develops things like licenses or policies for the nation's communications. All of this has a national security component to that, if you didn't know. And helming a lot of the tech initiatives that the agency accomplished over the past couple years is CIO Francisco Saguero. He is actually soon leaving his post and government altogether to pursue new opportunities. But his time at the agency and even before while at USDA has led to remarkable accomplishments and many challenges that government is experiencing today. With data management, cloud, security, we were able to tag up with Francisco on his way out to discuss the impact the pandemic has had on the agency during his tenure, and also the exciting opportunities for things like AI and 5G have for the agency. Welcome to the show, Francisco. So awesome to have you. I'm really excited to have you and talk about some of your IT priorities. Great. Thank you for having me. I really uh, appreciate the, the opportunity. So what does tech modernization mean for the FCC's mission? Tech modernization is really, it's multiple things, but really it's about, you know, get, setting up the commission for the future. And really, you know, as we do various uh, mission-oriented things, whether it's auctions or regulatory type practices and processes for comments uh, and actually putting in programs together and in place, such as the COVID telehealth program, helping you know telehealth providers and things like that. So it's really about enabling the mission and the program in a better and faster way, more efficient way using and leveraging technology. Awesome. And you've had such a long career in government. I know you are on your way out of the FCC right now, about to depart your position. And But you've also been at USDA. Now you're at FCC. How have some of those experiences shaped your professional life and what's in store? So um, definitely it shaped my, you know, not only my personal professional life, but my perspective as well, working within the government. It's really been eye-opening to understand the mission that we do as a federal government. What we're trying to do is is provide help, support to the American public, um, whether it's through various programs at USDA where you have loan programs, you have uh, farm uh, programs and, and other things as such, as well as the FCC from a regulations perspective, looking at broadband spectrum auctions and things like that. So it's really given me an appreciation for the various amounts of work and mission that goes to basically make the government work and really work for the, for the public. Um, and it's, uh, you know, everyone thinks of civil servants and they have certain ideas in their mind. Uh, you know, coming from the private sector, previously worked in startup and telecoms, it was a different view. Um, and it was a lot of times looking at, okay, what's the profit margin and making sure your product or services or whatever you were actually developing and providing those services was really about the bottom line, whether it's for shareholders or, you know, private equity firms or things like that in the public uh, industry, it's a little different, right? Because it's about the mission. It also takes some getting used to how budgeting works, how IT can 
enable, you know, the government to actually work better and more efficient. And, and you know, there's certain things that you understand that the government doesn't work as fast as some people may want, but those there's specific reasons behind that as well. So there's sometimes, you know, things that we want to say, hey, we want to turn at the, you know, drop of a hat and, and be able to change perspective. But if you do so, it could be to the detriment of what we're trying to achieve from a mission perspective. So there are things that they're needed, those guardrails, the, the red tape, it's necessary. It can be cumbersome and getting used to to get through it, but at the same time, it's necessary as well. So I think that's really kind of taught me to appreciate that a little bit more, you know, and then also working with various vendor partners, system integrators, folks not in the federal service, not as, uh, you know, civilians, uh, public servants, but really they still serve the public. And that's, that kind of goes into what my, you know, next, next door, if you will, uh, as far as my career and where I'm going into private industry, but still staying within the realm of the federal government, helping organizations uh, leverage services, you know, um, and making sure that their modernization plans are conducive to ecosystems that can help them get there in a much better and faster way. When you think about some of the missions that USDA and FCC have, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You don't really think about everything that they touch on from a technology angle. And at FCC in particular, you guys are using systems and and the technology capabilities to regulate technology too, as far as the broadband situation. And I think that component is kind of interesting. Is there any project in particular that you have been excited about during your time at FCC? So actually, one of the things that has that really excited me was Obviously, this pandemic has been, you know, it's been terrible, folks, and put them in situations where, you know, as a federal government, we've had to stand up programs at a much faster rate than in the past. So one of the things I'm very proud is to have implemented the COVID telehealth program within um, the FCC. So specifically providing the ability for telehealth providers to get reimbursed for IT services and IT infrastructure needs that they have. And literally that was something that the COVID um, came into, uh, the act actually was implemented in March of 2020. And then by April of that same year, we'd already stood up the telehealth COVID program so that, you know, telehealth providers could actually get reimbursed. And that was, you know, it took us six weeks to go from, essentially uh, an ideation phase that was started at the initial act of the act and then actual implementation at the end of March. And by the middle of April, we had a system that was available up and working for the public to actually submit applications. And by the end of April, that was actually fully operationalized so that the back end was also working so we could actually provide reimbursements. We could actually process things. So, you know, what typically would take months to implement, it took us, it took us weeks, and that was wow. using you know uh, platform as a service and really out of the box. So thinking differently and really implementing agile methodologies and really getting the stakeholders, specific WCB, which is the, the uh, Competition Bureau, Violent Competition Bureau, to basically stand up the program, support it, and uh, actually not have to worry about the IT side of it. Very interesting. You know, you hear about the telehealth situation over the past year, almost two years now, for kind of like the public health providers and the 
the health facing side of government, but I would have never thought FCC had a telehealth, you know, hand in that. So that's very interesting. Do you think that's kind of like an underplayed effort? I think that that happens in many agencies that, you know, are so diverse in the mission. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes when things such as the pandemic, it requires us to to act, you know, more directly in areas that maybe in the past people didn't think that we would uh, necessarily have the ability to to move forward with. I mean, you know, not just the FCC, but I can also think of my days back at the uh, USDA, right, where I started at food safety, where it was actually, you know, inspectors on the line checking, you know, meat products um, and understanding what all of that, you know, to other agencies with the USA looking at labels and how things were labeled organic or not. And then at rural development, where I was a CIO there, talking about loans and grants for people in rural areas. Uh, so it's very diverse. And like I said, within the FCC, the telehealth program, um, when people think of the FCC, they usually think of regulations. They think about mm-hmm. spectrum, the auction side of the house, but there's so many other things and so diverse in the mission that we are basically uh, helping the public with. Wow, that's very, very interesting. Now, I, I want to uh, dig into the broadband aspect of things because that's actually a a common, I guess, area for both the USDA and FCC, you know, bringing broadband to underserved communities. How have you seen these efforts evolve, you know, during your time at both agencies? Well, that, what is so interesting is I actually saw it from both sides. So while at USDA, um, was able to work with and connect with folks at the FCC and then vice versa back at the FCC, especially on the, as you said, the broadband, because there are so many rural areas that are underserved and also the, you know, from a tribal organizations and trying to get those areas really uh, updated with the broadband capabilities. You know, we don't think about that sometimes in urban areas where broadband is much more proliferated of what that means for folks that don't have those capabilities. Uh, in just this pandemic alone, I mean, I found employees within agencies that did not have broadband services. They were still looking at, you know, uh, dial-up or DSL type services, which sometimes, you know, 10, 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago, that was something that was cutting edge and now is truly outdated. Definitely. And, and I do remember those times where, uh, you know, the, the little sound to connect to the internet. Yeah, I, I'm glad that yeah. day is over. <laughs> <laughs> so coming to security now, you know, we're hearing about the ransomware attacks on pipelines, hospitals and, and all the like. And obviously we know from like a, a proactive approach what government is doing right now to combat those but from FCC's perspective, how are you coordinating within your own agency to kind of provide that security aspect and help, you know, prevent some of these attacks and overcome the security challenges? So I'll talk about a little, from a couple of different points. Uh, one of it is actually with the executive order as we look for cybersecurity and securing the nation in uh, all of our connection points and things out, uh, you know, our systems. And it's really about zero trust and having that zero trust architecture, right? So no longer really just trying to firm up your walls, whether it's a firewall. And and that typically has in the past has been kind of the key point, right? Is is your firewall open? How open is it? But it's no longer about just that, but it's also the endpoints that can become areas of attack that, you know, are people using, what what type of computers do they have to bring your own device? 
capabilities. And if you do, you know, how are you making sure that's secure and you're able to, to not only control those connection points, but you're able to have two-factor authentication and understand who's the user and are they who they say they are. And that's where zero trust architecture becomes critical to understanding where we, where we are from a secure posture perspective. I mean, one of the things that's always talked about in IT in security is, you know, when you say you've never been attacked, more than likely that's you don't know you've, that, that you've been attacked. You're more likely you've been attacked. You just don't know about it, right? So it has a that's false scary. sense of security, right? That, that false sense of security makes you think, oh, I'm good. Uh, but in reality is you're only as good as you think you are and what those folks out there that are trying to attack, they only have to get it right once. You have to be right 99.99% of the time. Right. Ignorance is not bliss in that case. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. Is FCC collaborating with any other agencies to kind of tackle this, you know, collaboratively? So there are, you know, for us, so I'll talk about it more from an internal IT perspective than we have a small agency. Seattle Council with other small agencies and also work with other uh, vendor partners as well to understand what we can do to adopt zero trust architecture within our security posture. So there's definitely collaboration there in doing lessons learned. There's organizations like ACT-IAC and the Partnership for Public Service to look at their documentation and their write-ups and, and white papers. So that's something that we always tend to do. You know, as far as what we're doing from a public perspective, then obviously there's a regulatory side of things that, uh, you know, the, the commission is always constantly working on. Now, some of the upcoming emerging technologies that are pretty exciting, obviously you're departing FCC. So, you know, that's kind of maybe far into the future for the agency, for the next person who's going to step into your role. But things like mm -hmm. 5G and AI and some of these exciting things, how do you see those things impacting how FCC's tech strategy shapes? So from those side of things, that's something that uh, as a commission, obviously there's the regulatory side. So honestly on that one, that's always continuing to evolve. I think from an internal side perspective, IT, that's just another opportunity to leverage further technology for folks. And no longer, you know, this pandemic I think has really shown that people don't necessarily need to be in the office. And the more we can get, you know, 5G, get those capabilities out, and now you have a, a connection as if you really are in the office, is a much better uh, broadband connectivity that is wireless, that is remote, that is, gives us as not just the FCC, but the federal government opportunities to find the right employees, the right people, not just centralized maybe in DC, but in not only all metropolitan areas, but also in you know rural areas as well, where we can find some great candidates, great opportunities to leverage folks that want to provide uh, public service. So I think it widens the opportunity for folks to work in the government and for the government to actually apply technologies and leverage it even further. Interesting. And so when you're when you're thinking about that communications infrastructure, some of those things are going to be key, and it, and it's. To me, it's quite fascinating to to listen to kind of both sides of the coin on how that impacts FCC. You know, you're both regulating it, and it's going to in turn impact you as well, or right. you as an FCC. So that that's a interesting way to to look at it. So, what message? You know, now that you're departing FCC and you're kind of on your next 
career, what message do you have for those who are considering working in government? I think what I would say is for me, it's been a great opportunity. It's been a great learning experience. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing like actually doing the work. Um, but, you know, no matter what one may think, study, learn from others, when you actually are in the trenches yourself, you actually get to see how the sausage is made, if you will. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting perspective. You know, for me, I think it's provided me the opportunity to understand what public service is really about, understanding what, you know, helping delivering a mission and really getting the satisfaction that, you know, it, I'm doing something bigger than just myself, bigger than just the dollar. It's really about helping the, the, the public and really getting services out to folks that actually need it. That, that to me has been a great um, opportunity. And, and for somebody that for me is, it's gonna continue, right? As I look to move into private industry, I still see myself and I will be very much entrenched in working with the federal government. Uh, just in a different capacity, but the opportunity is still there, and I still want to take advantage of those things and just be able to part my, you know, give a little bit of my knowledge and experience and in helping others uh, really do some of the things that we did at USDA when it came to true IT modernization, setting up the centers of excellence, working with GSA and the the office, uh, the White House. So that that's, you know, I would say anybody that's looking to do more than just you know, punches keys on the keyboard, but and really try to provide service. I couldn't. I couldn't say more. It, it, the public service provided and the opportunities in the federal government. When you look to seek them out and not shuttle, they're there. They're definitely there. We're definitely in exciting times right now, tech wise. So it's it's fascinating to hear from, you know, your position how that's uh, looking for you from a career standpoint and both tech modernization standpoint. So Francisco, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. This has been awesome. I'm really looking forward to seeing how FCC's tech strategy plays out and kind of the legacy you're leaving behind. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy. Really appreciate the opportunity. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please... If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.